Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 802 in the AM, Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show. That's not a flute in a song. Why do you play a flute for every song? I'm a big Lizzo and Andre 3000 fan. You know, Ian Anderson did look like that playing the flute. That's okay. I like them too. That uh, Jethro Tull? Jethro Tull, yeah. Yeah. Joining us right now, our buddy from PFF, he is Gordon McGinnis. Good morning to you, Gordon, courtesy of the WGK Law Guest Hotline. What's up, Gordon? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. I'm sure you saw that Ravens-Browns game. Man, was this just another fourth quarter collapse by the Ravens, or did this one feel a little bit different? It felt a little bit different because it never really felt like a double-digit lead, um, at least like after the very start of the game. So obviously... The early touchdown comes off the tip pass. Great play by Kyle Hamilton. But there is like a little element of flukiness that happens with uh, tip passes. The rest of the first half, it's like 10-9 Ravens. Third quarter, one touchdown each. Fourth quarter, one offensive touchdown each. And then the Browns get the fluky tip six this time and then win it in the field goal at the end. So I, I get why it's being grouped into the fourth quarter collapse category. Um, but it was a bit of a weird game whereby the tip, uh, tip pick six by each team at either end of the game um, really just takes away from the fact it was a pretty close divisional matchup. You know, I think a lot of people underappreciate, or I don't want to say that. <laughs> Some people here underappreciate Ronnie Stanley. He's injured now. How big an impact does this make? You know, on the Ravens' pay. You know, it's just all the offensive line play, left tackle. Yeah, I think. Uh, you see people talk about him being a, a 2024 cap casually. And I think people need to remember what happened when he was out and the Ravens had to go to Alejandro Villanueva. He's not a top five left tackle post-injury, and I think it's okay to accept that. But he's still middle of the pack among left tackles in the NFL. Um, the good news for the Ravens is I think Patrick McCarry is the the perfect backup caliber left tackle. Um, I don't think he's going to go out there and shut anyone out as a pass blocker tonight, but he's good enough that I think he can avoid being uh, a weak link that costs them the game. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how healthy Trey Hendrickson is. And we talked about some of the, yeah, so I was going to ask about the injuries to the other side of it because I think Sam Hubbard is huge for that defense. And then depending on, you know, what Trey Hendrickson has, I mean, what percentage is he playing at tonight after a hyperextended knee? Um, that's what we don't know, but if those two guys aren't at 100% or not in there, like I, I think that's tough for this Cincinnati defense on a short week to turn around. Yeah, especially on the road, especially in a short week, coming off their own tough loss. Um, you know, depending on how how 
close to 100% Trey Hendrickson is will kind of depend on how much they need to rely on their first round pick, Miles Murphy, who hasn't really impressed so far having a, a big breakout game. Yeah, here with uh, Gordon McGinnis joining us, talking some Ravens, Bengals. Now, Gordon, I want to go back to the collapse. What role is Lamar having this? Does he deserve some of the blame? Should he be labeled as a guy who can't finish off opponents? So the turnovers play a part. Um, I looked earlier this week, and when the Ravens have a 10-plus point lead, he has the seventh-worst turnover-worthy play rate uh, among quarterbacks in the NFL. It's a really small sample size, though, is the only thing I'll say there. There's like 31 guys who've who have 30 or more dropbacks when they have a 10-plus point lead. Um, and like one one of those plays disappearing moves them into the middle of the pack. What I think is really interesting, though, is Gus Edwards sees a little bit more of the carries than Lamar Jackson does when they have a big lead. And if you think back to the 2019 season with the win over the Seattle Seahawks on the road, that was a game the Ravens closed out because they put the ball in Lamar Jackson's hand as a runner. And I, I think as they try and close out these games, as much as you know, you have a worry about injury and stuff like that, Lamar Jackson as a runner can absolutely close out games, and they're probably not leaning on that enough. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because that's where I'm going. Have you noticed, there's things I question every every week after a game. No, fewer design runs for Lamar. Not having Mark Andrews on the field in the red zones, I've seen this several times. He's your best red zone target year after year, not on the field. You saw what Keaton Mitchell does, a 40-yard touchdown. He ends up with, you know, one carry, I think, in the second half after that. Do you think they just are getting too cute or utilizing some of the hot hands? Like, why would they do things like that? I think they probably haven't really found their offensive identity under Todd Munkin yet. And I think you can see each week, I think they get a little bit closer to it. And, uh, you know, almost like at the start of the season, they had players out injured and those players came back and it took them a little bit of time getting used to that. Now Keaton Mitchell comes in and he looks like a spark on offense, but they haven't quite figured out how it fits in as part of it. Um, I, I think Keaton Mitchell absolutely has to get more of the ball going forward because we talked about it last week, and then he showed it on Sunday. The Ravens do not have another running back on this roster who can break those 40-yard runs quickly out of nowhere. Um, and it's just such a such an addition to have on the offense when you have that. Hey, Gordon, can I ask you – I want to ask you a question about Monday Night Football that I think is imperative. First off, what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? Um, uh, uh, and secondly, with her in – like, if she's going to be an audience, right? Like, is that something that really can have an impact on Kelsey? Because I've seen the stuff – She's going to be in Germany. Huh? She's going to be in Germany. She's not going to be at the game? I don't think so. Oh, man. Anyway, what, hey, what do you think happens Monday night? Because that's the other huge game this week, Gordon. Yeah, I, I think I think the Chiefs win um, because I think they're coming off a bye week. They've had time to prepare. And, you know, I think they I, I kind of think they need it. They need to show that they still have that. I, it wouldn't surprise me if this is the Travis Kelsey without Taylor Swift in attendance breakout game because he's ah. really struggled in those games so far. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he just completely ignored your Taylor Swift thing, and I'm glad about it. Why? You know, he, he talked about it. Her <laughs> attendance. I, I mean, my, my, my true answer, though, is Cruel Summer. I, I have <laughs> Taylor Swift in Edinburgh, so I, I, can't, I can't pretend that I'm not a big, big Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> uh, Gordon McGinnis, thanks a lot, my friend, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, man. Gordon. Gordon McGinnis. He's great, man. <laughs> it's Cruel Summer. A what? Cruel Summer. He said that was his favorite Taylor Swift song. Cool Summer. Cruel Summer. Cruel Summer. Cruel Summer. That's her new. Does she hit, cover right? it? No, no. This it's a different song. The song's like a couple years old, a few years old. Is it that old? Yeah, it just it's, keeps coming back. Yeah. Well, so it's not the same me. Cruel Summer from Karate Kid. No, it's not Banana Rama, right? <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, it's not that one. Yeah, he said right. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Maybe they changed the beat. <laughs> it was a cruel summer. Let's go to Darnell from Owings Mills. What's up, Darnell? Hey, how you guys doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, just got a question for you guys. That I think addresses the, uh, needs your expertise, right? Um, with the way Baker Mayfield is playing, this year, uh, down to Tampa, we're worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole. Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. No running game, and he's uh, really low on his turnovers, and, you know, and low average on his turnovers. Um, do you think that Baker Mayfield will probably be better suited for this uh, Cleveland team that they have now with the best defense in the NFL? And uh, do you think that they probably would go a lot farther with him instead of Deshaun Watson? I, I kind of feel like Baker's time there was done. Like, I feel like the team needed him to leave, and I think he needed to leave. I think that whole marriage was just done. I, Ed, you've probably watched mm-hmm. more Bucks games than I have this year. I've watched quite a bit. I don't know how you feel like he's looked. Um, he's probably been okay, and that's probably just all he is now. Darnell, they would go better with Baker Mayfield right now. Ask you a question. Yeah, he's been looking pretty good. I think. I mean, he's he's. I'm not saying he's great, but yeah. he's been looking good. You know, Mike Evans. They seem to have a connection, and um, they they look good as a. Uh, See battery like a picture. I've always liked Baker Mayfield. Like, on a scale liked. of how good Antonio looked that time you ran into him when he was looking good, mm-hmm. like how looking good has Baker been? Looking, looking good. Okay, that's all I needed. Yeah, well, that looking good. Maybe the caller has a point. Four ten five eight three one zero five seven is the number. Mike Preston from BaltimoreSun.com joins us at eight thirty. But on the other side, Jeremy Khan enters his world of stupid. Yes, we're going to talk about a couple of different things. How about a Florida driver with a tattoo? That says all gas, no brakes. That tattoo, by the way, uh, which we will talk about. That's uh, me right now. Is on his neck. All gas, no brakes. All, yeah, that is you. Hot box. I wonder what happened to this guy that's all gas, no brakes. And who put that on the neck? Huh? This guy from Florida. I mean, what? All gas, no brakes on your neck. The abbreviation or the whole thing? The whole thing. I'll show you the picture, show you what he looks like. We'll also talk about a married school teacher that had sex 
with an 11 year old boy. 11. Yikes. That's coming up next in the world of stupid. All right, let me ask you guys would you rather hear about a horse that gets free on a plane and what they had to do, or how a lot of people are dying now? They had to issue a public health problem due to people doing something stupid. What would you like to hear about? A horse on a plane. Okay. Ain't got no. We get these Monday to Friday horses on this Monday to Friday plane. How about this? I can hear somebody. Is, is that you, Rob? <laughs> All right. The moment a horse got loose aboard an international cargo flight, prompting a 6,000 gallon fuel dump over Nantucket sounds, uh, Nantucket Sound and the waters east of Nantucket. This is kind of crazy. We have a live animal horse on board the plane, and the horse managed to escape the stall. We don't have a problem as of flying wise, but we need to return, return back to New York. We cannot get the horse back secured. Cape, Al, uh, Cape Air founder Dan Wolf explained uh, that the fuel dump was necessary because landing required less weight than takeoffs. Mm-hmm. And so the aircraft needed to shed fuel to return to JFK just 90 minutes into its flight. Flying at an altitude of 22,000 feet, Wolf said, was high enough for the fuel to evaporate and minimize potential environmental impacts. The amount of jet fuel in the atmosphere is not a good thing, but the quantity is not significant enough to have a major impact. Now, this is a cargo flight, but there's still people on board. That's got to be a scary situation. Horse gets loose, the hell are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, you you better, you can't control one of those things from the ground when he's I've had to. lost his mind. They're just, they were <laughs> like 1,500 pounds of muscle. It's like, you pick up to what they want. Oh, man. Anyway, let's get to this next story. Florida man with a tattoo on his throat that says, all gas, no brakes. He was in a high-speed crash, surprisingly, after trying to evade cops. That's right. All gas, no brakes. Our guy here uh, decided not to stop. Polk County deputies were called to Davenport neighborhood at 3.28 a.m. When police attempted a traffic stop of a suspect's white 2006 Cadillac, the vehicle sped off, zipping through neighborhoods while trying to uh, locate the exit. Police did not follow the suspect since there was only one way in and one way out of the neighborhood. Video released by the sheriff's office shows the Cadillac speeding down the street past a deputy and resident who quickly jumped out to the street to avoid getting hit. I showed you the picture of the guy's face covered in blood, so he does get into an, an that accident. That was on his face? Yeah, that was blood. Like old bad tattoos or something. Well, there's, I think there's some of that, but that's all blood. His lips bloody, his nose, it's all over his face, his skull. Um, fleeing from law enforcement's traffic stop demonstrates very poor decision-making, but to do it in a small residential neighborhood at a high rate of speed is a terrible idea. So I'm assuming there would be more charges for that, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, it should not come as a surprise that the driver has a tattoo on his neck that says all gas, no brakes. How many times do we get, like, like if you're going to commit crimes, why get these noticeable tattoos? Because that's who they are. Honestly, that's, that's who they are. Sense. So guys get teardrops. That's who they are. It's just all gas, no brakes. Like, it's on your throat. What, are you going to wear turtlenecks the rest of your life? Just makes makes another. That, that was the, wasn't that Salah's motto for the Jets? Mm-hmm. All gas, no brakes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, this last story is not fun by any stretch. Married school employee accused of having sex with an 11-year-old boy in her car near the school. What gets me is the fact that she's married is relevant. <laughs> is that what we go with? She's married because if she right. wasn't married. So let me ask a question like this. As the husband of a, of a teacher that eventually runs around on you with an 11-year-old boy, is that something that you can get over? 
No. Yeah, that's why I thought that would mess no. with you mentally. What about you, Rob? No. I like you're sitting in your mind like an eleven year old boy. Mm-hmm. I think you have to get to a point if you're the husband of this woman to say that had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with her just being crazy, right? Like there's oh, yeah. some sort of mental illness, but oh, again, yeah. it's still not something that's easy to get over. Married mother of two who was fired earlier as an administrative assistant at Smith High School in Mansfield after being accused of repeatedly having sex with a boy who was just 11 and then 12. Over two months, the boy snuck out of his house on at least 14 occasions during the overnight hours to meet with uh, this teacher. She either waited by hiding behind a bush or neighbor's property or walking up to his house. Just how what? This is just creepy, man. An 11-year-old kid. Allison Cranick is her name. The Columbia School District informed the community about the disturbing allegations in a lengthy statement. And, of course, now she's going to face so many different charges. She should. Uh, my hope is that this horrific and appalling situation will not cast a shadow of the important work carried out by the school district. Stop it. She had sex with an 11-year-old kid. Of course it's going to overshadow everything. People are going to talk about it. No, It's like... Something like this happens. Nobody wants to hear all the kids that have graduated and all mm-hmm. the, the, the kids that are on the honor roll and how many perfect attendance you have. No, they're going to talk about this teacher sleeping with a student. He's yeah. 11. Especially at that age. I mean, that's just, that's just beyond. Like, I mean, I know you can tell us. I just How does the conversation start, Ed? How does it happen? Is it a look? Do you know? Like, Do you not want to talk about this? We can move on. I got another story if you want. Starts with teachers trying to give you guidance about your college career. That's how it starts. He's yeah. eleven. Well, his high school career. Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> eleven. I don't even know what to do when I was eleven. <laughs> it's just like what? Huh? Huh? The Ninja Turtles are coming on. You want to come over to my house and watch them teach? No, that's not. No, that's happening. All right, let me throw you this last thing at you. Study says selfies are officially a public health problem due to the amount of people falling off cliffs and waterfalls. You realize all the dumbass things that we have on, like you buy a cup of coffee or whatever, and it's got to say it's hot, and all the do not eat broken glass, don't eat this when it comes in your pill bottle, the th- you know, like all these things, don't eat Tide Pods. Now people have to be told. Don't step off a cliff. Because you're trying to take a picture because you want all these clicks on your social media page, and especially this tourism spot in Australia where people keep falling and dying. And they're walking up to this cliff. They want to take this picture, not realizing it's not safe. And then they fall to their And how exactly do they not realize it's not safe? Well, I mean, they do. But, like, you know, it's not going to happen to me until it's too late. That's just crazy to me. Like, have you guys watched any of these, um, the videos of people that walk on the high rises and do all those flips and hang off the buildings with the uh, selfie sticks and stuff like that? Like, I don't know about you. Like, I don't. I like to think I don't have any fears, but you won't know it until you actually face something you fear. I haven't found that yet. But, like, I that stuff makes me sweat watching it. Like, I don't have a fear of heights, but that just doesn't, it doesn't feel safe. <laughs> it just makes me not feel safe watching somebody run across the top of a roof building or a skyscraper and doing all this crazy stuff. You nonsense. know, when I was a little kid, we used to go upstate New York to the Casco Mountains every year for vacation. There was a police camp up there that was very cheap. So it's just NYPD members. You and your there was a hill, it was in the mountains, with no guardrails. They called it Suicide Hill. I never wanted to go there. You know people would try to drive their cars down there just to see what it was like and take a look on it. And they're looking over the side. 
it just it was a, just a just a sheer drop off a mountain with a tiny little road, barely two you could fit two cars and no guardrail. But people and they had warning signs when you get on there. My brother would tell me about this. Uh, was it like Gatlinburg, Tennessee? Does that sound yes. about right? That, I've been there before. That that bridge that they have is I guess that's a maybe it's not Gatlin. I think it is, but there was a bridge that you would walk over like a footbridge. And people would jump up and down and shake it up in the mountains. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, remember Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? When they're walking, when they're trying to escape at the end and the guy chops that thing off and they're hanging on to the, uh, going to fall into the crowd. Like, a footbridge like that. And he would talk about how people would jump up and down on it and shake it to scare the hell out of everybody. What? Have you ever seen the glass ones where you can just, yeah. and, it, and it, like they have the fake cracking on it and people get scared. and It's just... There's no need for it. I went to Iceland, and there were a lot of places where they said, hey, don't go here. Don't go there. It's dangerous. There were people there. There were people here. I wasn't one of them. That's your world of stupid. Thank you very much. 410-583-1057. That's the number. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show right here on the fan. O's um, GM Michael Elias talked to Cordell Woodland yesterday. We'll hear from that at 845, but on the other side, what's Mike Preston's thoughts? Is this must-win game for the Ravens? He's up next on the fan. Must be. It is not a flute. It's like a trumpet or something, not a flute. I like playing the flute. Courtesy of the WGK Guest Hotline. Joining us right now, Mike Preston from Baltimore Sun, BaltimoreSun.com. What it do, Mike Preston? What it do? Jeremy, Rob, <laughs> Ed, what up? What up? What it do? You sound like you're like you're chilling way too hard, man. Where you like laying down with your feet up? Hey, he's got to come back in here yeah. tomorrow, right? With a, with a cup it's of coffee? Thirsty. Huh? It's Thursday, man. It's Thursday. It's not Thursday. What is it, Ed? It's Friday Eve, baby. Friday Eve. <laughs> that's that's the psychological warfare stuff. Man. That's that lipstick on a pig. Speaking of psychological warfare, the Ravens have given up a lot of late leads. Where are they psychologically if they got a late lead this week? Well, you know, I think they got something to prove. And they're usually pretty good when they rebound. You know, they get a little nasty, get a little angry. Because when I went back and watched the film, it didn't look like um, – He's just undisciplined. Some of the things like the lane integrity and just laid back in third and I mean second and nineteen and you give up seventeen yards. That's just poor technique, uh, lack of discipline, lack of control. And I think when they had to watch that film Monday, they said, Oh my, this is not us. And it hasn't been for the most of the season, but it's been that way for three games. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I think they'll rebound strongly uh, tonight. How big a deal is it that the um, the Bengals receiving core is beat up now, considering that uh, Marlon's not going to be there? Um, you know, you, you basically down to one re- a great receiver, but one receiver really is the target. Yeah. I mean, I really like T. Higgins. I, I think he has some great hands. And the way he can just snag balls. And, and he's been a pain to the Ravens the last couple – years and um they're gonna miss him but hey it's a good thing for the ravens because then you only got to focus on chase and uh yeah. hopefully they can handle him but again it, it all comes down to the pass rush as it did last week i mean they got some, some pressure on on watson and he took off and ran up the middle of the field I, i'm sure that won't happen this week 
I mean, tonight against Burrow, but still, it, it always comes down to the pass rush. They kind of go hand in hand, but I'd rather have a pass rush in, instead of uh, weak corners, put it to you that way. Hey, Mike, uh, so Joe Burrow was seen with a, a brace on his throwing hand, or on his wrist, I guess you'd say. Um, I don't know the impact, or if the, they didn't put him on the injury report at all, so there's a lot of conspiracy things going around. But what have you thought of his play? Because obviously early on he was hurt. Do you feel like he's back and playing like the, the Joe Burrow that we saw last year? I think he's playing like just about every quarterback in the National Football League at this time. Up and, and down. And the, the, the most consistent guy's probably been Mahomes. And he even, he's been a little off his game because they don't have any receivers. But I mean, you look at Josh Allen, what's going on there. You look at Lamar Jackson, what goes on in Baltimore. They've all had their ups and downs, and um, he's no different. You know, we thought for a while there he had gotten past that early season stuff where he had the um, ankle injury, and then all of a sudden, hey, starting to play well. And then you look at last week and say, uh oh, he looks a little like Joe Burrow early in the season. So I don't know. I think all of these quarterbacks are struggling, and. We'll, we'll, we'll go from there. That, that's the best I can say. That the, the hand and the, the, what's going his arm and so forth. I ain't buying any of that. They, you know how to sleep it. They just make up injuries and <laughs> tell you stuff and throw it out there. Get out there on the field. We'll see tonight. Mike Preston joins us. Baltimore Sun. BaltimoreSun.com. Mike, tomorrow on Monday Morning Quarterback, are we uh, asking why Keaton Mitchell didn't get enough carries? <laughs> oh no, I, I, I think. Uh, I think John Harper had a little talk with his offensive coordinator. He didn't throw him under the bus after the game. But you could tell by his tone and some of the things he was saying, um, we need to address this issue. And, you know, it's not part of the game plan. It wasn't part of the game plan. That's basically saying, uh, well, it should have been. And I'm not going to throw him under the bus. But uh, Coach Monken, he needs to touch the ball. And then he, he, he threw in Mark Andrews and said, well, he only had two catches. We got to get him the ball. Well, they're your playmakers. Shouldn't they touch the ball? Yeah. Does Travis Kelsey not touch the ball? He at least gets targeted. At least get targeted. Right. You, you just give him the ball or throw it to him. Go make a catch. Go make a play. That's what playmakers do in the final four minutes of games. They make plays, except for in Baltimore, they don't touch the ball. That's got to change. It does. So, what do you think tonight? I mean, the Thursday night teams usually have an advantage. You know, because they don't, even though it's not a long trip, they still get an extra day at home. Uh, Lamar has got to be pissed off from Sunday's performance. Does any of this weigh in tonight's game, or is it just, you know, another divisional game? Well, that's part of it. It is a divisional game, and and there's so much importance to it. And then you go back and you look at last week and say, boy, you you had another chance to really take a, a, a nice lead in this division and you, you blew that one and then you got this one coming up. Yeah. They're, all of those things play a factor. They're going to be fired up to play at home. They get an extra day of rest. Cincinnati's on the road. Um, the crowd will be jacked up. I, I anticipate a nice crowd tonight. Um, much bigger than last week against Cleveland. And if they can't play and come out and play hard in this game, well, there's going to be some, some issues we need to discuss tomorrow morning. They have to play really hard and play well in this game, or uh, we'll be talking about a whole bunch of things tomorrow morning. All right, Mike. So what happens? Give us the prediction. Oh, Ravens win 
3117. You know, you look at Cincinnati, they're just missing some people. I mean, Hubbard's not going to play. Higgins not going to play. You throw in the Ravens are ticked off from last week when they blew two 14-point leads. They're playing at home. Uh, it's Thursday night, national TV. They'll win. They'll play hard. And uh, <laughs> they, can't, they can't afford to give up another lead in the fourth quarter. <laughs> but you, you guys saw what it was like last week, and, and the callers calling in and us on the show. Well, it could get really nasty if they if they lose another one, especially in the fourth period. It sure can. It's, and I hope it doesn't get to that, that point. Hey, hey Rob, Rob, Rob. Yes, Rob, sir. That, that's kind of make it fun, though, when they call in. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. They're angry, they're angry, man. They're angry. Sometimes. <laughs> I like to mix in some some happy calls every now and then. So what do you, Rob? I, I hear I hear you. What do you think that report card's going to look like tomorrow? Hey, they, but not a no. I just waiting for an A plus. Somebody's got to get one at some point. Maybe it's Tucker. Not not in my school. Not mm. happening. Mm. <laughs> Mike Preston, you're the man. Talk to you tomorrow, man. All right, see you guys. All right, take it easy. That's Mike Preston. 410-583-1057. That's the number. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show. On the fan, on this glorious Thursday morning in Baltimore, Melissa Kim will join us in studio at 9 o'clock. I'm sorry, not in studio now. Okay. What happened? Pilates went long. Pilates went long. Oh, by the way, I I ran into her in the building yesterday in the Uh afternoon, and she talked about how it's tough getting up early, like 8 o'clock. But she's in schedule because she goes to Pilates. Oh. She said, okay, Pilates got out a little late, so I'm not going to be able to make it in real life because I have to shower. I'm sorry, but I'll be on the phone at 9. <laughs> so she told us she'll be in studio, and then the day of, she told us she can't be in studio. She literally said, I have to wash my hair. I can't that's make like, it. That's like a, isn't that a dating excuse? Yeah, it is. Not yeah. tonight I got to wash my hair? That's what Ed says when he wants to get out of a date. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I've just actually said that. I got to wash my hair. I can't get it. Cordell Woodland interviewed Michael Elias yesterday. Going to hear from that up next right here on The Fan. The Big Bad. Update from the yard. On 105.7 on 105.7 The Fan. Update from the yard. Cordell Woodland spoke with Michael Elias yesterday. And uh, he talked about some of the end of the season awards. The individual awards, whether it's Gunner or uh, Brandon Hyde or, or anybody, I, you know, I think it's it's just great to have the Orioles organization be so nationally relevant right now to be recognized as an org that's setting the pace in a lot of ways in our in our business in baseball ops, and um, you know that was what I talked about and what we've been talking about since coming on is you know, making the Orioles organization state of the art. And I think it's pretty clear that we've done that. It's now just about, you know, trying to uh, advance farther into the playoffs than we did in 2023. Uh, yeah, very good. I mean, it, it is. I, I, I can imagine you draft these guys, Ed, you bring these guys up, you develop them, seeing them be rewarded like that has to be great. It's got to be. And the other thing is to see the Orioles as trendsetters, that's something we never would have discussed years ago. Because they were kind of behind in you know, in most of the trends and, and whatever was cutting edge of baseball, now they they're right at the tip of the spear. 
I mean, they're one of the most innovative teams in baseball. Analytics is a big part of what they do. They look like they're brilliant in every move they make as far as, you know, minor leagues, pulling plays up at the right time, free agent moves. Mm-hmm. I, they really are. They be, they, this whole organization has changed everything. I mean, it's just it's pretty amazing. The yeah. way they view, the way, it just, the whole thing. Well, one of the things that's talked about a lot, Jeremy, is whether or not the Orioles are going to be able to lock up some of these youngsters. Michael Lies commented on that. It's a topic that we put constant work into, and I think as we get into this offseason, you know, that's going to ramp up. Um, it, it's a tricky topic to talk about publicly. You know, there's um, a lot of risk, I think, to throwing the door open to having these types of things come out in the public. I mean, we've seen that. We've seen how that looks, and it can make the process, which is already very challenging, even more so. And our ultimate goal here is, you know, to uh, to have success with any deals that we're working on or not working on now, but in the future. So I am not the one to uh, talk publicly about it, but like we we've got some great young players. You you look at them right now, and you look at how much team control there is left, and you go, boy, I wish we had them longer than that. There's, there's no way around that. And, um, it's a, it's a topic that our front office is, is tackling and, um, to the degree that we can find some proposals that, that, uh, may be attractive to all parties. You know, we're, we're talking about that and that's something that we have do, done and we'll do and we'll continue to do with any group of players. So that's a big part of our job. And it's something that, that, uh, we're in the business of pursuing. If you want to hurt your contract negotiations, Jeremy, start negotiating in public. Yeah, yeah. Before you have bad will, start start doing it. Go ahead. Well, and you know that's that's the other thing. Like I can really appreciate the fact that he says we're not going to talk about that. Like he's just letting you know we're not going to talk about those things. But I think more so than anybody else, um, at least some of the GMs that we've talked about with with any team in professional sports, I I feel like he tells you everything that he possibly can yeah. without giving it all away. And he posts and he answers the questions. And, you know, he never gave us a, a time frame on when this would come to fruition. And even then, I think we were still a little surprised that it started happening earlier. Yeah. But there's a lot of tough decisions to make. The, the, the cool thing about having great prospects and a ton of draft picks is that eventually you have to make those decisions of whether or not you're going to trade those players for talent now or if you're going to try to develop those guys and they can be your talent of the future. And that's the hard part is judging which ones are going to be which. And now they're in that spot where I think Mike Elias and Sig Meidel and that group are a group that we trust, but mm-hmm. they're tough decisions. Don't make, make no mistake about it. Yeah. yeah, decisions that aren't all in their control as well. Um, Brandon Hyde, manager of the year. Uh, Mike Elias talked about what makes him the right man for the job. I think he has a, a personality and a personal bearing that is really – good for being a major league manager you know this is a really challenging job nowadays it's always been but you know you're you're you're, uh responsible for keeping a room of 26 men young men in line uh keeping them motivated keeping them informed and keeping them together and then on top of that you know you gotta know baseball manage a game work with the front office talk to the media uh there's so much that's demanded of him and he just really has the the personal comportment and wiring for that but in particular i think he is a match for kind of the gritty blue collar nature of the city and the style of play that we have here and you know he's somebody that's incredibly well prepared for the managerial career that he's having now um, through all of his player development experiences and major league coaching experiences 
with uh, a couple of organizations, and in particular the, the Cubs rebuild and, and championship. So he stood out in the hiring process as a fit, and uh, you know I think we've been uh, more than validated with that that choice. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's gritty. Uh, we talked about here that as well. I mean, here's a guy that was rumored just to be holding the seat for somebody else. You, you can't get rid of Brandon Hart now. I don't even know why you would want to. <laughs> Especially sort manager of the year. Yeah. Why yeah. would you want to? If you want to. I don't think we've even seen enough of him to say all the things that, like, look, it, once we watch Brandon Hyde for an extended period of time with a good team, you're mm-hmm. going to find some holes in his game, like, or at least things that you think are holes, right? You know, people picked him out all last year. Yeah, I mean, you would do it with Buck Showalter. I didn't like what he did with the bullpen here. Why is he batting that guy? He plays Ryan mm-hmm. Flaherty too much, and he had his reasons why he did all those things. And and he's going to have the same reasons, but I think you'll start to poke holes in why did he go to that bullpen guy, and why did you do this? Mm-hmm. Why did you make this switch? Or you're starting this guy in this game. Remember when Buck started uh, Sloppy Joe Saunders in that game? Uh, in Texas, yeah. one game playoff, <laughs> yes. the, the cat had yeah. a 650 ERA against the Rangers, yeah. and he said, "Screw it, that's my guy." And you're like, "What the hell is going?" Sometimes it is about trust; it's about a feel, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think he's just done a really good job, and he he deserves he's to be solid. here. And there's nothing like he just won Manager of the Year with the second lowest payroll in baseball. I heard some Texas fan losing their mind over, "Well, how did? Oh, this is BS. They're just pushing this Orioles narrative." Josh Young loses Rookie of the Year. He got hurt. He was the front runner until he got hurt. He missed too much time. You're not yeah. going to win. It's the bottom line. Even if he ended up having this great season, it still had to have been better than Gunners and how he finished. But you had a guy that had the second lowest payroll in baseball and had the best record in the American League. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. So now moving forward, yeah, you want to keep this guy here. You have, you have to keep him here. Uh, you know you're going to have some free agents. you got some people coming in as well. Elias talked about balancing additions with the subtractions by, uh, for the team. Yeah, it's going to be uh, an ongoing challenge going forward. I mean, we've, we've already tapped into some of our farm system to, to make trades over the last couple of years. And we have not, you know, traded a top 10 prospect yet. And, you know, that's definitely something that we're discussing and open to discussing. But you got to be careful when you do it because, you know, these, um, these play, our players in the farm system are really good. I mean, we've got, they're not just, high draft picks with tools. These guys are also performing and they're most of them performing at the highest level in the minor leagues and everything there points to them having long, successful major league careers. And, you know, if you're talking about um, taking a, a player that uh, you're going to have in Baltimore for years as an everyday player, everyday contributor and trading them. I mean, it's a big loss going out the door and the, the, um, the future's around the corner, and uh, we're going to miss those guys. So we're very calculated anytime we're, we're talking about trading a, one of our stud prospects for, for short-term help. It's something you have to take very seriously and very carefully. Yeah, I mean, you get attached to some of these players, especially some of these blue-collar guys, Jeremy, to come through, but they can't all stay. Well, it's tough because, like, you remember when Trey left, right? There were people mm-hmm. that were – then he then he winds up getting cut by the Cubs, and everybody's like, are you going to bring him back? Why? Hey, well, again, so understanding that some of these moves that could potentially happen will tug at the heartstrings. If they end up trading a Cedric Mullins, if they end up you know, moving a prospect, whether it's a Jordan Westberg, a Joey Ortiz, or Kowser, whoever it may be for another player, then yeah, that, you're going to look at it and go, ah, man, I, what if Mountcastle gets traded? Remember, if Mountcastle was hitting the cover off the ball, forgot how to hit, or whatever, had the vertigo stuff go on, 
And then, and then they're like, oh, you, you can't even trade him now. Yeah. And at the end of the year, he became one of their hottest hitters again. Yeah. Now you don't want to trade him. So uh, Rick Ritter will join us at 9.15. But on the other side, they're going to find out what Melissa Kim, well, how much okay. does she have the Ravens winning by? But on his Big Bad Morning Show okay. on the fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 